Testing, testing. It's on. One, two, one, two. Microphone checker. Microphone wrecker. Microphone blicker, blicker. <laughs> Alright, let's give this a shot. What is life? What does it mean to heal? I'm a human. Hello, hello? Anybody there? Why are we here? What does this mean? Let's figure it out together. That's fun. Just to come play. Play in the pod first. What are we doing? This is the Turning of the Bones podcast. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of the Turning of the Bones podcast. I am your host, Colby Marie. I hope you are doing well and this day finds you every time, exactly how it's supposed to find you. Uh, It's so nice to be here with all of you. Thank you for tuning in to another episode. It is a glorious day here in Denver, Colorado. Did a bit of fall cleaning this morning. Gave my apartment a good scrub, cleaned all the surfaces, got in there and cleaned the bathroom and just kind of moving some of that that energy that's settling. All the trees are dropping their leaves right now. It was uh, Halloween last weekend and I hope you all had just, I hope you had fun. I know that I did that episode about the history of Halloween. I was able to uh, dress up, put together a costume. I found that (laughs) every year I I make Halloween plans and without fail I put off picking a costume until the day of the Halloween party. And then I get really, (laughs) I get really stressed out about dressing up and go into a Halloween party and I thought it was really interesting because you know I'm having this conversation inside my head I'm like it's supposed to be a good time this is this is a party it's gonna be fun it's with your friends and part of me is like I don't want to I don't want to dress up I don't I don't know what I'm gonna be uh uh and then I'll I'll go through a rabbit hole of googling easy costume ideas and then I don't know it was funny I realized I wanted everybody to think I'm clever you know I wanted to have a a cool Halloween costume. It's really interesting the random little gems you get that kind of remind you of places in your ego and your identity structure that still have pull and sway over you. So I spent some of the afternoon just kind of sitting with what the hell was going on with why I was so stressed out at 45 years old about going to a Halloween party. And you know, there's pieces I think of, you know, acknowledging not going to a lot of parties you know we had a pandemic and lockdown and hanging out in groups is still kind of new so there's a little bit of that but I kept looking I was like oh my god the, the root of this has got to be deeper you know I, I don't want to feel this uncomfortable about going to do something fun like I love playing make-believe I love improv I love theater I like playing around I role play play Dungeons and Dragons I'm like what why in the hell do I get so stressed about Halloween and I realized a couple things that were really fascinating one was that I think when you're little 
for me, it's, you know, you take a kid who's got some uh, challenges with self-regulation and you chalk them full of candy, really unstructured evening like Halloween, and I was just bound to get into trouble. You know, there was no way I could make it out of Halloween without getting into trouble. And I don't think that's uncommon. So I think that was part of it, just kind of realizing, you know, and doing that cognitive behavioral therapy, like, okay, that's interesting, that's there, but you're 45, you're probably not going to eat too much candy and get in trouble with your mom or dad tonight. So noticed that, which was really interesting. And then the other piece was really interesting was like wanting to have a cool costume, you know, it. I wanted, and I think this goes back to being a kid, you want to you wanna be the coolest thing, uh, or I did, you know, I wanted to be Storm Shadow, the ninja from G.I. Joe when I was little, that was a really important one. I don't remember too many other costumes, I remember this other really interesting piece was I started noticing like, this part of my child mind that was this <laughs> because I would get into trouble and because I wasn't having a good time on Halloween I didn't want anybody else to have a good time on Halloween so part of me wanted to have like really snarky kind of pointed edgy costumes that were kind of like a fuck you to Halloween <laughs> which I thought were really interesting um wanted to go as like you know different costumes that might point out people's hypocrisy which I thought was really funny it's like this little kid thing was alive of uh, if I can't have a good time no one's gonna have a good time and so I sat with that for a bit kind of let it move through noticed some things did some CBT around it and I chilled out it was really nice to kind of use my coping tools take some deep breaths ask some good questions about what was going on with why the hell I was so stressed about Halloween I think maybe also as a kid, you know, it's like it's kind of a spooky night and I was a scared, sensitive child. So, I, you know, maybe was tuning into the thin veils. I talked about that in the Halloween episode, you know, the the veils between worlds become thinner. And that's why there was Sam Hain and Samhain rituals. So I was able to dress up and I wore a giraffe onesie and I wore a sign around my neck that said the fact and I was Giraffter the Fact, a time-traveling private investigator. And I was, I was quite pleased with that. <laughs> you know, I put it on and I had a really beautiful moment of, if nobody else likes this, this is amusing. It's amusing the shit out of me. And that was, that was really fun. So I went to the party, it was super cute. Had a great time. They're playing Scooby-Doo and my friends at the Rainbow Dome. You should check them out on Instagram, the Rainbow Dome. Really cute. A couple of artists that I've friends with and have worked with in the past, and they had a really adorable party with tons of art and great music. And it was just a really good time. We did some dancing, did some laughing. I met Bill and Ted, which was really awesome. We got to do some time-traveling talk. Drafter the fact, and Bill and Ted had some chats, and... Just had a really good time playing make-believe and hanging out with my friends, so that was pretty nice. Also got to do a Samhain ritual, which was really beautiful. Made some food for my ancestors, did a little divination, and just really felt 
Thought a, love, a lot of love and support and gratitude for the things I've been working on, the seeds I planted last spring, emotionally and physically, that are kind of coming, coming to fruition now, and I can go into the winter feeling pretty supported, which is nice, because the season change is upon us. It is, it is right here. The leaves have fallen. There's kind of that heavy feeling that wet, decaying leaves get. The trees are still holding on to some color. There's this one really, really beautiful tree at Cheeseman Park where I like to walk. It's still got quite a few colorful leaves. But the trees are slowing down. The days are getting shorter. You know, when I walk Lily, uh, darkness is coming sooner and the days are going to continue to get shorter. And that can be a lot for a lot of people. I know it, it has been for me off and on throughout my life. Seasonal affective disorder is a real thing. I don't know that I've experienced that. I, I think living in Ohio, I had Ohio affective disorder where it was always gray and racist and judgmental and depressing. And the winters were just even worse. And yeah, the time, the, the time change is upon us, which is absolutely fascinating to me that we still have a time change, that we still have daylight savings time, which is actually a myth. So daylight savings time is actually eight months of the year and standard time is only four months of the year. So we pretty much have daylight savings time most of the year. And I've always wondered like, why the hell do we change the clocks? And this has been debated in Congress for over a hundred years. It's, it's been around for a while. And so I did a little digging this week for you, my listeners, my curious Catherines, my learning Larrys, you curious Cindy's. <laughs> that was a shout out for my mom. I did a little a digging about the history of daylight savings time because I've, I've never in my life met anybody who likes the time change except for when we get the extra hour of sleep people love that I've always hated it just because I feel like it's been really disruptive to my routine and my schedule and it takes I feel like it takes the better part of a month for your sleep cycles to kind of switch back and so I had a little digging and it's been around for a little while it started it was the first time in America it, it was noted was uh, Benjamin Franklin wrote this tongue-in-cheek essay about how we should change the times so that people could save money on candles because they'd get out of bed earlier and utilize the morning daylight and it was I think a little tongue-in-cheek it wasn't it wasn't on the nose it wasn't really trying to solve a problem and then there was another guy who was into bugs I don't remember his name it's really not important it was somebody who I think was really cute that just wanted more time during the day to study bugs and because of the time for some reason he couldn't that really doesn't make a ton of sense to me time's always been a little weird for me I don't know about y'all I used to think it was uh, because of my ADHD or that diagnosis I got when I was a kid but I don't think that's it I think it's because time is actually pretty far out and strange and so in 1784 Benjamin Franklin writes this paper 
about saving candles. And so you've probably heard some of these myths like it's so school children can get to school safe safely and you know for the farmers and we'll come to find out that that is absolute poblycock. I don't know if there's a saying. Um, it's it's poblycock that so in 1918 um, the U.S. established daylight savings time to run for seven months to conserve electricity during World War One, and this was kind of modeled after Germany did it to save fuel. England got on board during World War One. There's a bit of a pause, then it started again in '42, uh, and it was around energy saving, uh, saving money on electricity. This is before we had computers and smartphones and refrigerators and any of the number of things that eat up our electricity and so it really started as an energy saving initiative by the government to help us through war times and so on it goes and not every state had to do it it was really confusing for a long time trains were all messed up and uh, the Department of Transportation eventually was like, listen, we got to sort this out. So they, they solidified it in the 70s. Um, the Department of Transportation said that the equivalent of 100,000 barrels of oil each day was saved uh, in 73 when Congress enacts the Emergency Daylight Savings Time Energy Conservation Act in response to the Arab oil embargo. And so it's really been an energy saving kind of safeguard that we've used in the last hundred and however so many years of war. And then in 1986, it was kind of like solidified from April, from the last Sunday of April to the first Sunday of April. No, it was kind of solidified the time in 1986. And then in 2005, Congress passes the Energy Act in 2005, which starts daylight saving times one month earlier in the spring and extends it one week later. So that's what we have now. We have the eight-month daylight savings time. And so that's kind of the history of it. And it was really fascinating to me because when I was reading through the history, originally farmers hated this. It wasn't something that farmers... You know, it's kind of the PR of capitalism and the way the government works. And this kind of took me down a, a rabbit hole of, you know, further distrusting our government and capitalism as an, an overlord. So <laughs> farmers actually hated it because they had less time to get their crops to market. They had less time to work in the morning and milk cows before they had to be to market. Um, there was only one study in the 40s that proved that there were more children fatalities without it and that's kind of just been this urban myth these two urban myths that we've we've carried through until now and you know it's it's no shock that uh the things behind this are actually capitalism and profit and there's a, a gentleman named michael downing who wrote a book called Spring Forward, The Annual Madness of Daylight Savings Time. And the in his book, he shows that the biggest lobbyist, so you always got to follow the money, right? So the biggest lobbyist for daylight savings time in this country was the Chamber of Commerce. And 
the Chamber of Commerce, on the behalf of small businesses and retailers, has always supported this, and it, it, since to, since 1915. And the, the idea behind it was that if you gave people more daylight at the end of the day, they'll stop on their way home and shop instead of just going home. Um, now there's there's huge huge lobbies for this uh, golf. There was like 200 in the set in the 80s. They they lobbied and told Congress that there would be like 200 million more dollars in revenue if we extended daylight savings time by one month. Uh, candy sales are behind this now. Uh, barbecue sales. Um, and so, you know, Downing said there is a reason. It's just not what we've been told. Um, we haven't we haven't gotten more energy because of this in quite some time. And honestly, it's starting to be shown that there's we're we're losing it because people drive more. Um, people are using more gas um, in the evenings when they have the free time. Um, school children and their advocates have always opposed daylight savings because we get less morning sunlight and children are out in dark streets. Same thing for farmers. There's less there's less daylight with daylight savings. You know, the sun won't be up until 8.30, you know, well until you're at work in the deepest parts of winter. And so, I don't know, I just think it's, it's hilarious that golf, which creates $70 billion a year in economic impact, that is insane to me. It employs almost 2 million Americans and generates $4 billion in charitable giving. So I'm not saying this is bad, you know. I, I hate daylight savings because it messes with my, my, my circadian rhythms. Um, and as we were coming to know, like, sleep is one of the most important things. And when people mess with my sleep, now it just, it's, it's, it's a bad scene. It's, it's not positive. And so just know the reason for daylight savings is so people so capitalism can keep keep going it's 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 for profit it's not it's not some it's it's not some uh philanthropic endeavor to like help small children and farmers and the the the, the roots of america you know our learning children and our farm workers you know it, you hear that you hear any of that it's, it's all it's all bullshit so it's, it comes down to americans leave their house when there's more sunlight sunlight after work and we're told that we're saving energy but americans go outside and go to the park and go to the mall we don't just like go walk or stay in our neighborhoods we live in these separated communities so we get in our car and drive so the past hundred years the dirtiest secret is that daylight savings is actually increasing gasoline consumption so there's my little my little rant my little adjacent history of daylight savings and yeah i just i don't know i just found that fascinating i always wondered why it was a thing how it worked and in my opinion we should just have one you know only 70 countries in the world do daylight savings and i think we should just have one time and I'm going to try that this year. Even when the clocks change, I'm going to continue to kind of get out of bed at the normal time I do. I usually get up around 6, sometime between 5 and 6, naturally. And I'm just going to keep 
with my sleep schedule and listen to my body and listen to the seasons because you know if you've listened to this podcast before and if you haven't maybe go back and get a flavor for of how I view the world it's like we have these natural rhythms that we're out of touch with because of capitalism and because of consumerism and the patriarchy and settler colonialism and white privilege and all these really huge problematic things that we've internalized about how the world should work and I'm continuing to try to get back into the natural rhythms of like a continuous cosmos you know where I'm a part of this and it's all just cycles so I'm gonna do a little test this year I'm gonna see how my sleep goes you know I have to pay attention to the time that the rest of the country operates on for for certain things but I don't I have the luxury right now of making my own schedule so I'm going to be able to kind of play with that and I'll report back on how that went for me um, and yeah it's fascinating I found this other thing that was really great this gentleman named uh, what was his name Matt Walker he's uh, a sleep study expert sleep expert and advocate for sleep and as, as we continue to learn more about the importance of sleep I mean, Matt Walker basically says your superpower is sleep because of all of the things your body can accomplish while it sleeps. Like, you need sleep to strengthen your immune system, to help your brain be ready to learn new information, to absorb new information. And I really liked he said that we have a we have the biggest social experiment every year that is performed on humans, and it's called daylight savings time. And, you know, we, we are slowly moving, you know, with the seasons, you may notice you get more tired in the winter, you don't have as much energy, and that's because our circadian rhythms are changing with the decreased daylight here in the northern hemisphere. As we get less sunlight, we have less energy that affects seasonal affective disorder. So people who have that may be recommended to use light boxes or take vitamin D or supplements for their neurochemical pathways to help them with the ways in which the darkness affects their brains and their moods. Um, but Matt Walker's talking about how daylight savings affects our sleep cycle. And some of the sleep associated consequences are that it disrupts our sleep cycle. You know, we're in one rhythm, we think it's one time, then all of a sudden it's like, boop, the next day it's not, but our bodies haven't had any time to change and we're expected to. And if you go to work the day after daylight savings, you'll notice everyone's everyone's pissed. No one, no one's like, woohoo. People are when they get extra sleep. And I think that's what Matt Walker's kind of pointing out is we need the sleep. It's like to take away that sleep is really negative. He said that he found that there was a 24% relative increase in heart attacks the day after when we fall back, when we lose an hour of sleep. So, and then when we gained an hour of sleep, there was a 21% reduction in heart attacks. There were more car accidents the day after we lose that hour of sleep, more strokes, suicide rates went up, the stock market suffered. And so, I don't, I don't like it because it messes with sleep. And I think that evidence, you know, we shouldn't have it. We should just have it be the same time. We should get used to the seasons, you know. 
It's not like the trees didn't. The trees don't know it's 8:30. Um, you know, during the tree during the winter, the trees slow down. They drop their leaves, and they go into dormancy. And I think that's kind of our natural state too. You know, we don't need to hibernate. We're not a mammal that needs to sleep through the winter. But I do think the expectations we put on ourselves, you know, whether it's because of capitalism and striving and grasping or trying to have more social interactions or more goals or this do, 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 accomplish, 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 I think that that can kind of leave us feeling pretty raw in the winter. And I really like this idea that trees kind of naturally slow down and it's only their essential systems that are online. So it really got me thinking about dormancy, the state of having normal physical function suspended or slowed down for a period of time. So like, how can I slow down this winter? Um, and I had a friend ask, you know, before I was getting ready for this podcast, could you talk about slowing down? And so I'll, I'll try to touch on that now. I think a huge part of slowing down in the winter is... You know, biological organisms kind of naturally do this, but because we're so brain-centered, we override a lot of that, you know, with we override sleepiness with caffeine or, you know, stimulants for ADHD and kind of get in this cycle of stimulate, 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 and then drink at night or depress and kind of get in this, this loop that isn't really listening to our bodies. And so I think it's really important to learn how to listen to your body. To, to notice how the things you're ingesting affect you and how you're trying to override your body's natural functions. You know, and this is all gonna lead to a healthier, happier life down the road. People in that Matt Webbs that Matt Walker was saying, you know, people who in studies for for people who identify as men that sleeping four or five hours aged them 10 years uh, and, and a lot of physiological markers like heart health, testicular size, um, other things like that. And so sleep is just like slowing down and being able to rest is hugely important and getting in touch with that. And so I think that for me, it's, it's helpful to develop an awareness around the things that nourish me and the things that deplete me. And you can, I do this by doing journaling and kind of just do an inventory. Uh, what goals feel like they are in my best interest, which ones are kind of like ego driven, like I want to work out more this winter. Is that so I can have a six pack and have the body I think I should have? Or is that because I want to have good physical health? and maintain my strength you know am i grasping after financial goals when actually it'd be a good time to reflect about you know do a skills inventory or something so doing an inventory you know going through your life and seeing what your essential systems are like what are the the things that are essential for you so i know for me it's uh i need to eat healthy 
I, I need to do that about 80% of the time and then treat myself about 20% of the time. So I, I do it, I can do an inventory in my relationships, like which ones are nourishing me, which ones are kind of, you know, depleting me and, you know, where am I going to put my energy? You know, am I, is it an essential system for my psychological, mental, emotional, and physical well-being? And doing that with my hobbies and my goals, you know, I can, I can tend to get pretty, spread pretty thin with how many things I want to do and accomplish. And so what is, what's realistic? And I haven't done this inventory yet. I just kind of started thinking this up as I was prepping for this podcast, but I really like if you know me, you know how much I love trees. I love that they, you know, trees don't freeze during the winter. They're full of water and they have all these ways that they figure out how to survive something that doesn't make logical sense. And so by going into dormancy and keeping their essential systems going, they are pretty miraculous. You know, a plant that can live outside during the winter to me is mind blowing. If I put any of my indoor plants outside for a day in the winter, they're going to die. And so their, their metabolism, their energy consumption and growth can slow down, but they're kind of like gearing up for next year. You know, they're, they're stabilizing before the next spring. So we have, we'll have spring after this winter. And if you start spring depleted, I don't see how you're going to get I don't know. It's like, <laughs> I just look at it as like plants. Like, how am I going to grow if I go into it depleted? So how can I slow down? I think, you know, this one's huge. It's like, get off social media for a bit. If you don't realize, if you haven't realized how much social media can drain you, take a break from it for a week and do some other things like spend time outside or read a book or stretch or listen to music or draw or journal. Just kind of take a break and kind of see what an emotional vampire social media can be for so many reasons. I'm not going to go into it here, but I think slowing down can also be sitting in between activities, taking a little bit more time for your transitions during the winter, making sure you're getting enough rest. Um, I'm going to keep working this tree metaphor. So there's something that the cells do, the cell membranes, and that allows the water to not freeze or to not freeze and damage the cells so that the tree can keep living. And the, the thing that stuck out to me is they become more pliable. Um, they become more, they become more flexible and adaptive and kind of responsive and I like that, you know, in the winter, like, what can you do to become more flexible? If you if you miss a workout, are you going to beat yourself up over it? If you're too tired to whatever, meet your friends for dinner that you said yes to. Can you give yourself permission to, to you know, thoughtfully step out of, of your commitment, you know? I think that you can... You can center yourself without being a jerk. You know, you can you can create the circumstances where you're able to prioritize yourself and be flexible and also communicate well with others if you need to change your plans. But how can you be more flexible? Uh, I, I really like that. Um, 
And then another one is that trees, the cells will saturate themselves with glucose. So I was like, oh, cool. How, how can we sweeten our lives? You know, how can we, what really enriches you? I love this idea of like, what is nourishing during the winter? Because you, years and years ago, we would have harvested, we would have had our crop stores, we would have had our food stores or, and those things would have nourished us through the winter. And so we don't have that, but like what nourishes you? So for me, it's, it's creativity and learning. So I've got a creative goal to learn how to figure draw this winter. You got a learning goal to continue working on awakening from the meaning crisis with John Verbeke. What sweetens your life? For me, it's time and food with friends. So I'm already starting. I've got a dinner planned with some friends and we're going to cook together tonight. Like, what can you do to sweeten your life? I think that helps me slow down because if you know what, what really nourishes you, you don't need a lot of filler. You know, it's like if you've got good nourishing relationships, you don't need to spread yourself thin and go to the bar every night because hanging out with a good friend once a week is better than having a million bullshit conversations. <laughs> and so that, that one really stood out to me. And then, yeah, to sleep, to sleep, get your sleep cycles locked down. Really, really just, just really slow down. I think it can be challenging because we think that we're achieving things when we don't get to take any of this with us. You know, we we're just here living, and I don't know if you can do that inventory. If you can cultivate some of that awareness, I think it's a great great move. What feeds you? What drains you? Um, spending time with others giving and receiving I think that's really great nurture the balance in your life try to figure I don't know just I think in the winter it's always a good idea to for me to like where am I out of balance where did I get a little too ahead of myself during the summer energy of the fall and then then just kind of spend the winter months doing some reflection nourishing myself so I think those are all great ways to slow down. You can set a timer on your fucking phone. You know, I mean, this is like you could set a timer like once an hour, slow down reminder or anything, you know, just to kind of give you the awareness that that's your intention, that, you're, that if you want to slow down, we can learn how to deprogram ourselves from how we've been wired to go, go, go in this system. And I think it's totally possible. I think it's totally possible to slow down. And yeah, it's a fun time of year. So. I don't know. Hope this was an interesting, interesting episode for you. It's a little different with the the history of the daylight savings time, but hope you enjoyed it. I'm so grateful for all of you, my listeners. You all are amazing, and I really appreciate all your support. I'm gonna do a little plug for the podcast. If you're uh, getting something out of this, you can go to uh, Patreon.com, www patreon.com forward slash turning of the bones go over to my website you can make a monthly contribution really helps me keep going I appreciate you all my listeners you can like or follow leave a review on iTunes that would be awesome if any of you could leave a review on iTunes 
help the uh, algorithm overlords boost my podcast that would be swell and I was going to wrap this up but after I pause before the segment I wanted to take a minute to talk about slowing down a little bit more and I think for me the best thing I can do to slow down is stop and take deep breaths and it's amazing what just feeling the earth underneath me or putting my awareness in my feet as I sit in a chair and just take a few deep breaths and kind of ask what's the next right thing to do what what kind of direction am I being pulled in it kind of gives me a chance to sort through the the clutter of my mind if I get you know like all of us get a list of stuff to do places to be things to think about anxiety worry just stopping and taking a minute slowing down and asking myself what's truly important in this moment what what are my values what what needs to be done acknowledging fear if it comes up and just kind of taking a minute and taking some deep breaths just slowing down you can do that any the, the coolest thing about that is it's avail, available all the time you can stop and take deep breaths wherever you are you can pop around the corner if you're out in public or sit in a park do it in your house or take a minute at work and just just let your let your body slow down kind of let your heart rate come down and just just see what needs to happen so I hope you enjoyed this podcast I enjoyed making it thank you for listening to my fun exploration about daylight savings time golf and barbecue industry chamber of commerce overlords uh messing with our clocks messing with our sleep so yeah i hope you all are well thank you so much be well bye now